0: Matthew 22, we've been looking at connected, connected to each other. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid um, this is easily missed. We get the personal relationship with Jesus Christ part, but we miss the connecting to each other part, and it can't work without that peace. Jesus said it out of his own mouth, Matthew 22, verse 34. Matthew 22, verse 34. Have you got your Bibles? It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the, in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I want to ask you, last week, did you make a move in this direction if you didn't is all your relationships perfect anybody here have perfect relationships I don't I don't have any perfect relationships the only perfect relationship I could kind of say is my relationship with Christ but I make it imperfect so it's not perfect did you make a move Make a move. If the word is really in your heart, if you are really loving the Lord your God with all your heart, you are going to move in the direction of your neighbor. (laughs) What about that? Okay, everybody smile. It's good. It's the holiday weekend. You know, everybody's been to the lake, been cooking out, having hot dogs. You finally ate your one hot dog for the year or your 60 hot dogs. Anybody go to a hot dog eating contest? Anybody have those this weekend? I saw some pictures of some. I'm sorry, don't do that. (laughs) All right. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. The entire law is encompassed in those two commandments. Sums it up with one word, love. And our loving our neighbor is a major key of our walking with the Lord. And remember, it doesn't say your best friend, doesn't say your spouse, doesn't say not your spouse, but it's your neighbor. We have challenging neighbors. Remember, the person sitting next to you is challenging. The person sitting behind you and in front of you is challenging. The Lord wouldn't tell us to do it if it wasn't a challenge. If it was easy and we just come natural to us, why would He tell us to do it? We already do it. But it, this is something that we struggle in doing. How many of you have struggled loving someone? Have you ever made that statement, I love you, but I don't like you right now? Okay. I don't think that's that bad. You're going to have moments where you disagree. But does the relationship break? I'm going to show you today that it shouldn't. Uh, what are the benefits So last week we kind of got really deep into this relationship walk. I want to talk to you about the benefits, the pros and cons of walking with or without someone. James fifteen, James 5.15, we looked at this last week. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Um, Let me warn you. Let me give you a warning when you come up for prayer. Many times when you come up for prayer, my first question is, is if I don't know you, I'm going to ask you, do you know Jesus? So don't get offended. Why would that offend you? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Good. Are you carrying any unforgiveness? Can we get that clear? You don't have to tell me who. You don't have to tell me what's going on. But let's get the forgiveness. You know what? You may still be struggling, but let's go ahead and say it out of our mouth. I forgive This person. Okay, clean slate. Now let's lay hands on each other and let's get healed. So, warning you come up here, I'm going to talk to you about unforgiveness. Why? Because I want to know your stuff. No, I don't want to know your stuff. I want you to be free. And I want you to know that unforgiveness is one of those things that hinders our prayers being heard. So, when I pray for you, I want a clear shot. God, I want four bars on my cell phone as I make this phone call. I don't want this call to drop. And unforgiveness causes disconnect. So I would encourage you, when you come up for prayer, go ahead and deal with the unforgiveness before you get to me. And if you're having to wait a minute, go ahead and ask for your healing. Just go ahead. While you're in worship, Go ahead and deal with your unforgiveness and ask for your healing. Ask for your breakthrough. The Spirit of God is here. We don't have to wait for an altar call. You don't have to wait for an altar call to get free. All you need is the Lord. You can do it in your car. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the shower. It's a great place. Just me and God. I asked. I received. I received done i didn't have to go see anybody and have them put oil on my head and lay hands on me and pray for hours no right where i was do you know that that's what jesus christ did for you the veil was torn so that you would have access to him again you have access to the king of kings whoo okay what am i preaching on connected okay A key to your healing is your relationship with one another. The Lord has has put in place in His Word for your healing to come through His body. If you are sick, call for the elders of the church. They'll lay hands on you and the sick will recover. Does that take people? You have to connect. Well, who's the elders of the church? Well, get in the church. You'll figure it out. They're sitting all around you. I don't know who the elders of the church. Okay. You, in that sense, you're a little bit disconnected. Let's get connected. What else does the Lord say? I'm glad you asked. Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes chapter four: Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I use this very regularly in marriage marriage ceremonies, but this goes for you and me. This goes for our neighbor. This goes for the church body. We're not supposed to be on our own. Two are better than one. What are the benefits of that scripture? Ecclesiastes chapter four. Number one, two, having two versus just having one increases our return. I can do more with you than I can do by myself. And it's not just my output's a hundred percent, your output's a hundred percent, so we output two hundred percent. No, it's greater than that. Two can multiply do more than each of us can do individually. It's a multiple when we get together. It says in Scripture that one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. We are more powerful together. Everybody say amen. What else? There will be help in times of trouble. It says pity the person that has no help. If you fall down, someone will be there to help you up. Hopefully they won't laugh at you too long, but they will go ahead and help you up. I've got people around me that will laugh. I got, uh, I got drilled one time by a frisbee. I, I really didn't feel like this scripture really applied to me that day, that two are better than one. I kind of felt like I wish no one was around at that time. But Weaver, Weaver drilled me in the nose. And I was standing near the pen, which I thought was a safe place for Weaver. He couldn't—he couldn't hit water if he was falling out of a boat. So, <laughs> so someone yelled four, and I look up and catch it right in the nose. And I'm telling you, blood went everywhere. I'm looking around and I've got people hunkered over trees laughing. And I got a I, Weaver's running. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm, that's it. Everyone else, there's probably 11 people. We never had this many, but that day we had a lot. And people were tweeting it before I could get to my office to get cleaned up. I was getting phone calls saying, What's happened? Because everyone is saying, You're not going to believe what just happened. That's not the kind of help that we're talking about. Oh, I love my brothers. They are so, they are so fun. That's why I like to be around them. Um, we need help. And God has put a kingdom together so that we would have help. So that we wouldn't be stranded so that we wouldn't be on our own. God has has placed us in a place of help. If you get cold, another will keep you warm. And if you're by yourself, you can't defend yourself. But if you've got two, you can defend yourself. You're defenseless by yourself. It's why animals pick out the one that's gotten loose. They don't go after the big group, they go after the stray. You wonder why every time you turn around you're getting clobbered? You need to get in the group, you need to get connected into the body. So, what about some warnings of isolation? If you get out on your own, what's going to happen? catch this scripture. This one had never really stuck out to me until as I started to study this this topic. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A man who isolates himself rages against wise judgment. You can't even receive it. Not only will you not receive it you rage against it you push it away The enemy wants to isolate you because you become an easy target You cannot even receive someone telling you the right way to go Proverbs 15:22 Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. This has kind of been a big scripture of mine here lately over the last couple years, recognizing that I need wise counsel around me. Did, Did you know, you know what this says to me, and I said this Wednesday night, God speaks to me primarily through His Word. The primary way that God will speak to me and i believe the primary way that god speaks to you is by his word but another way that he speaks is by the people around me it tells me i'm not my plans are going to fail unless i have the right people around me plans succeed, plans fail for lack of counsel what does that mean god has placed a kingdom he has formed a kingdom of giving you good instruction through other people, not just by what you can dig out, not just by your knowledge. How many of you know you can read Scripture and you can interpret it wrong? Boy, I've done that more times than I'd like to say. The Lord changes me daily, shows me where I don't have all the pieces put together and He either shows it to me by His Spirit, He shows it to me by His Word, or He shows it to me by one another. We need people. It takes, it takes each other to be successful. We're not called to succeed by ourselves. Our walk with Christ requires our walk with each other, forgiving each other, praying for each other, serving each other, loving each other. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Let me also say, another major way that the Lord speaks to me is through my spouse. God created family first. There was Adam, and then there was Eve. There was family, and my wife sees things that I never see. Uh, My wife hears the spirit of God and is able to speak into my life. God has given her that place in my life. Husbands and wives, many times when someone comes and tells me I can't figure out where to go, I feel like the Lord's not showed me yet. I will a lot of times say, "Go, go talk to your spouse." You and your spouse get together and start praying and fasting and start there. And I'll start praying. But go to your spouse. And a lot of times they're like, no, they don't see it like I see it. Okay. Go fix that. Go fix that relationship. Go work on your relationship with your spouse to where you two can pray together after one outcome. All right, Romans chapter 14. You guys got your Bibles? If you've got them, let's go to it. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Don't you just love it when the pastor says that? All right, Romans 14. This is from the New Living Mikey, if you don't care, I'm going to let you change the slides on this. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. Now, as we start this, I want to just precursor it to say, this is, help, this is instruction for us of how to get along and how to love one another and how to not allow division to happen. Okay, so that's the reason. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who are free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Big shout out for the vegetarians. Woo! I'm not one, I eat meat. Big shout out for the meat eaters. Woo-hoo. Can I just say, people divide over stupid stuff. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Lots of churches meeting on different days. Don't get hung up with it. Love them. Look what it says. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord of both the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for the Scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. I'm almost done. Hang in there with me. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So stop condemning each other. Listen to me. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Look at what you're saying, and is what you're saying causing them to stumble or fall? Not your gripe with what they're doing, not even what they're doing, but is your actions hurting them? I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person, it's wrong. And if another believer is distressed about what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you won't be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace in the joy of the Holy Spirit. That's what our walk is. If you remember from last week, living in the light. If you are in the light, as he is in the light, are going to shine like the stars in the heaven. Had somebody tweet, of all Sundays, for him to refer to DC Talk and that song, I'm not in there. So, there you go. But, but you remember about being in the light, The other translation was living in the light. Not perfect in the light. You're not perfect, but living in the light. Living in the light. Living in the goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you're going to please God and you're going to get along with others too. Why? Because you're going to stop judging them. You're going to stop looking at everything that's wrong with them. Scripture says they're His anyway. God will deal with that. And it even said earlier, and hopefully God will approve what you're arguing. Okay, hang on. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Have I put you to sleep with all the reading? That was a key verse. Let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. One of my favorite quotes, I'll wait, I'll share it. I've got it to put up on the screen, so I'm, I'm stuck. Um, Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. When you are arguing about stupid stuff, you know what you're doing? You're tearing apart the work of God. Remember, All foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Verse 22, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. I love that. You have a problem? Give it to God. Keep it it to yourself. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. That's a big verse. If you and your spouse, you've taken the Word, you've taken the Holy Spirit, and you've made a decision, go with it. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Why? Because you are fighting your convictions. God has placed truth in your heart and you're going in a direction that you know doesn't meet that truth and God says that is a sin. We don't have to have a thou shalt not commit adultery. You can look at your heart and say God says I feel like I'm going in the wrong direction. What's God saying? Don't do that. The Spirit of God is in you. He, uh, those, who are, uh, led by the, those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God which means we're going to come to crossroads and our heart's going to say don't the Lord's saying don't. If you do, Scripture says, it's sin. Yahoo. That's a fun one. We get hung up on stuff, on junk, stuff that divides us, divides marriages, divides relationships, divides the church. What should we do? Aim for harmony. You ever had two people trying to find harmony and they are like they can't quite find it, then all of a sudden, there it is. I wanted to get Quentin and Zach and a few of us to do the uh, Three Stooges, hello, 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 and do it where it wasn't in harmony and then do it in harmony. And, you know, we had to aim. We literally have to aim. I don't know what note he's going to start on, and then I've got to adjust. You don't know what your neighbor next to you's notes he's going to start on, and when you do hear it, aim for harmony, not Resistance. We see our neighbor doing something. I've got neighbors that are building a deck right now, and uh, then the the other neighbor's doing something else. The other neighbor's shooting off fireworks out our back door, and I mean, we're about to fall off our deck because we're just hanging on the edge. When's the next one going to come? And we could go and not have harmony, or we could go and have harmony. It's a decision. Aim for harmony. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. If you have no goal for your money, you won't reach it. Well, you will. You'll reach a no goal. If you have no goal for your future, if you have nowhere to go, you'll wind up right where you are next year. Aim for something. Aim for harmony in your marriage, in your church, in your work. Build each other up. Don't tear each other down. It really comes to judgment as I close Quit judging people. Love people. Build each other up. Judge yourself. If you're really hung up on something, feel strongly about that area, can I encourage you? Pray. Pray about it. Pray for that person. Don't get in their face and say, you shouldn't be eating that chocolate donut that the church brings every Sunday morning and donates a dollar and, um, and these muffins that are blessed church body brings in here. And be quiet. Let them eat it. Let them give the dollar and let's build that building. Because, I, I mean, I'm a quirky eater. I don't remember asking you what you thought about what I eat. Don't worry about it, from the words of Weaver. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Move on. Anybody going to, to see family this afternoon with it being 4th of July weekend? Us too. And let me tell you, i got to aim for harmony. <laughs> if I don't, I'll miss it. Literally. And I've got a great family, love the Lord, spirit-filled, but they're family. I'm sure they see me show up and they're all saying, aim for harmony. Quit judging each other. Quit judging each other. Come on up, Quentin. If it's a clear mistake scripturally, ask God for wisdom of how to help your brother. If, if your friend is about to fall off a cliff, don't let him, but love him. But for the most part, quit the bickering. You all know that word? Is that a Tennessee word, Bickering. Quit. Quit fussing. Um, I I want to give you an opportunity. If y'all will, just give me just a moment. And let's just pray together. Elizabeth, come up here. I want you to pray with me. Father, we just uh, give you the right to shine the light into our hearts. And Lord, we need need help. Um, Forgiveness and walking with one another is one of the hardest things we all have to walk through. But Lord, let us get it right here before we go and maybe have to confront or maybe don't. But can we get right with you in our relationships to each other? For some of you today, church, it may be that you need to forgive yourself. You're hanging on to stuff that you just can't release. For others, you may be holding unforgiveness that you can justify. That is a legitimate hurt. But the Lord tells us to forgive just right where you sit, would you risk everything and let that person go? What forgiveness is not is it is not permission for them to hurt you anymore. It's not permission for you to have to lay down and take that hurt anymore. You're setting them free. Father, I just... I just pray that a spirit of forgiveness would come, up, come over this church body, over the marriages, over the family histories, over the abuse, and over everything that we carry around, Lord. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you do that right now, right where you sit as we pray? Just say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and I've, I come in here with a lot of issues. But the pastor is saying that the church is the place, the cross. Jesus Christ, you are the one that has paid that price for my sin. And today I receive that, that gift, that gift of salvation. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. And Lord Jesus, I I make you Lord of my life. I make a decision today to follow you. I I want you to just take just a moment. I'm just going to be quiet for about a minute. And then we're going to take communion together. But church, let's not take communion dirty. Let's take it clean. Allow the the power of the Lord to wash you clean today.